Hello everybody and welcome back to the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is regular host Aaron Percival aka Corporal Hicks and joining me is regular partner in crime Ridgetop aka Adam Zeller in the real world. Hello everyone. And this is episode 101. I don't think I've mentioned that yet have I? No, I don't think so. Anyway yes this is episode 101 and joining us is a special guest star for uh, this this uh, episode. We are joined by Bradley John Sudbeck from the Aliens Gateway Station uh, you, not YouTube, Facebook group. Thank you for joining us today Brad. Yeah thank you for having me. Also, real quick, Happy New Year, everyone, because this is our first recorded podcast of 2020. Yeah, but it won't be our first actual episode of the I know, but it's the first one we're recording in the new year, so we can say it. This is very true. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Happy New Year, everyone. And we are doing Aliens, Rescue, and Resistance today. Though I suppose I got those the wrong way around. It's Resistance first, and then Rescue. So we're actually going to be doing a twofer episode as they're both sort of, you know, they're the same narrative, so we're going to be covering them all together in one. But before we do crack on and talk about those comics, I just want to pass it back to Brad, because this is his first appearance on our show, and I think your first appearance on any of the podcasts. I don't think I've heard you on Clara's or The Perfect Organisms, have I? Yep, that's correct. Uh, This will be my first time on a podcast ever, so I'm pretty excited. Oh, welcome. Yeah. But yeah, before we before we nerd out about the comics then, do you just want to give folk a little bit of background about yourself and, uh, you know, who you are in the Alien fandom? Uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, again, my name is Brad, and uh, first time I saw the Alien movies, I was maybe three or four years old. Uh, it was Aliens, the special edition version with the uh, avid scenes that in there from uh, cable TV back in the late 80s. I was far too young to see the movie. It gave me nightmares. And then later on, I saw Alien and Alien 3. And over the years, you know, I, I got into the extended universe because I just craved more of the story and, and found that through the Dark Horse comics and, and the novels. Uh, I actually got into the novels first and, and later found uh, my way to the comics. Probably my favorite comic to date is Alien the Illustrated Story, which wasn't one of Dark Horse's comics, but that one really I thought was was the best one. That's that's my top number one comic in all of the Alien stories that have been put out so far. Can't argue with that one, really. That was a it was a heavy metal one. Yeah, yeah, that was a really good, really good um, comic. Did you get the big fancy ass? hardback one they did a couple of years back with them when they did all those random special releases of it i missed out on that one uh i'm really aching to pick it up but it's so expensive now i should have got it when it first came out what's that going for now uh last time i checked it was i saw it on amazon for like i want to say three hundred dollars <sighs> jesus christ yeah, yeah. That, that's bad which hardback is this again the alien illustrated story oh yeah that did come out a few years ago didn't it mm. yeah I think I got mine for about 40 quid when it came out. And I think that was pre-order sort of like price guarantee because I think it ended up at 60 quid at release because they kept pushing that particular version back and back and back. And by the time my copy actually showed up, I forgot I'd ordered it. I forgot it was even a thing. And I just came home and there's this big fucking box on my desk waiting for me. I was like, what on earth have I ordered now? (laughs) But yeah, that's that's fucking gorgeous. I, I love that series. It's a good shout, Brad. That's a good shout. Favorite book, although I expect I already know. Yeah, the Cold Forge, definitely. I think that's going to be a pretty typical answer for people. 
these days. <laughs> and with good reason. With good reason. Yeah. So since what we're actually talking about is resistance and rescue and, you know, those follow on the narrative set up in a Defiance. And we've we've previously covered Defiance on an episode last year, I think. And Ridgetop and I both both ended up quite liking it a lot more than I think we thought we remembered we did. I certainly ended up liking it a lot more and I reread it doing prep for this episode. I think each time I reread that series, I like it a lot more. Although I do feel like it sort of um, takes a bit of a nosedive in the last two issues. If you want to hear more about our opinions on that one, you know, go back and listen to that episode. That was called Dissecting Defiance. It's episode 88 or something like that. But Brad, what what did you think of Defiance? If we're going to be talking the sequels, let's just have a brief sort of what you thought of of the first story. So I, I really enjoyed Defiance. You know, of the newer comics that they've started putting out, since around the the time Prometheus released, Defiance is is probably one of the the better ones in my opinion that's come out. And probably the the thing that really sticks out to me the most with that particular series is the artwork. That's when I was introduced to Tristan Jones' artwork, and and he does an amazing job making those scenes just look and feel alien. And and that's one of the reasons why I like Defiance so much. But, you know, as far as the story goes, I thought it was a really interesting story. And, you know, I, I agree the last couple of issues, it kind of took a downward spiral. But for the most part, the series, as long as it was, it was very satisfying from beginning to end overall. Okay, that that's fair. Uh, that is fair. So let's get into the actual sequels then. Should we do one at a time? Should we go Resistance and then Rescue? That make, seems more reasonable, doesn't it? I will do a brief read of the synopsis off of Dark Horse's website, and then we'll break it down a little bit more specifically. So, Dark Horse's blurb for the Resistance trade is... Following the events of Alien Isolation, Amanda Ripley is kept silent by the Wayland yutani Corporation about the Xenomorph threat. Enter Zula Hendricks, an ex-colonial marine in need of Ripley's help to expose a sinister bioweapons program. The duo teams up against an upgraded arsenal designed to keep the darkest atrocities secret. So that's it in a nutshell. But to run through the actual series narrative before we break it down and talk pros and cons and specifics, the comic's set three years after the end of Isolation and pretty much just opens with Amanda out on her own hiking and Zula Hendricks shows up out of nowhere to recruit her to her crusade. You know, she started back in Defiance. We get a brief sort of really brief reunion of these characters because they actually know each other and and have a history and Azula explains that basically she has found out that that Wayland despite her best uh, efforts have managed to get a bioweapons project going revolving around the aliens on a secret black site somewhere so they break into a Wayland base facility office block whatever to try and retrieve the location of this black site they have a run-in with some apparently upgraded alien influenced synthetics but manage to escape with the information that they want and use the launch of some colony ships as cover for them getting off into interstellar space they arrive at the black site surprised to find that they've actually one of the colony ships they were following has gone there it wasn't supposed to turns out Waylon had rerouted it reclassified it as a supply ship rather than a colony ship so as far as the records were concerned there was nobody on board but it turns out they just wanted them for this experiment with the aliens they were doing seemed to tag them and and gas them with something which is was a point of um discussion that we had before we started recording i'm sure we'll talk about it in more detail later and then send them on down to this moon 
the, the black site's in orbit of. Amanda and Zula try and sneak on the station and end up on the surface of the station uh, trying to get access to the, the a nuke that Wayland was using as a failsafe in case things went screwy and they needed to cover their tracks. Davis manages to take control of it, but Amanda and Zula end up being shot off the space station and manage to crash onto the planet with a combination of this um, hex capsule that's supposed to be like some sort of emergency escape type thing and going down with the ship, which for some reason, Wayland decides to crash onto the planet to get the colonists down there onto the, sorry, the moon, onto the moon. And then the next uh, couple of issues are basically just Chaos on the planet, aliens killing people, people being chestbursted, and Zula and Ripley trying to find a colonist to escape and use as evidence as to what Wayland's been doing down there. We're actually introduced to the colonist, uh, Alec Brand, earlier in the comic, in, in the first issue, actually, but he's just sort of there in the background and then has a couple of panels until he becomes a bit more relevant to the story and then we end up with him. And they basically get him off the planet, Davis shows up, gets him off, but this is all sort of done around the frame of tension with the nuke being detonated. Uh, Davis ends up detonating the uh, the nuke before he's forcibly loses control of it. Uh, uh, use it or lose it kind of situations, I think he puts it in the series. And Alec and Davis get off the planet in the ship, and we end on Zula and Amanda with the nuke going off in orbit and all the fieriness coming down onto the moon. And we're left on a cliffhanger there with the two of them. That's about everything of pertinence from that, would you say, in terms of broad strokes? Yeah, but I mean, it says at the end to be continued. So anyway, we'll we'll get into that. But yeah, the, how it ended with them just being abandoned so suddenly by Davis like that. And yeah, it was the last issues in both of these are, are where they really suffered. But we'll get into that. So um, quick opinion of the series first before we break it down then. Richtop, do you want to lead us off on this one? So yeah, I mean, I was really excited for for this comic. If you remember uh, those teases on Instagram, like all that hype with the whole Wayland Utani Black Site thing, with that really awesome artwork they put out, and um, that w- wasn't really a tease of of anything. I mean, it kind of alluded to this comic a little bit with the with the Black Site, but they just said it was kind of to tease the the year of Amanda Ripley as it as it was. But unfortunately for me, most of the alien isolation related content uh, outside of the amazing game itself has just been super lackluster and this comic is is no exception for me i did like defiance i mean i had my issues with it there were some inconsistencies but overall i thought it was a really cool series and that's why like initially when they said oh it's going to be a sequel to defiance and alien isolation i was like wow we haven't seen that before where it's like a sequel to uh, a previously established comic as well as a really renowned video game like together that's that's an awesome concept but it just kind of failed on both fronts for that for me which is unfortunate i think both series have great cover art you know the cover art's usually never the problem with these i just think the stories the pacing felt very rushed and the artwork as far as resistance goes, like I thought it was pretty decent, but as far as like the humans go, I had some issues like in both, both comics, Amanda didn't really like look like Amanda for me. Like she kind of looked like Angelina Jolie a little bit in resistance, but so yeah, those are, those are my brief thoughts on it. I was unfortunately pretty disappointed with resistance. How about you, Brad? So I felt largely the same way about resistance. I was looking forward to it, but I had some, uh, I, I guess you would call it cautious optimism. I was a little uh, hesitant with the idea of 
another story set between the alien and aliens time frame. It, it seems to me like a lot of the newer stories that have been coming out have been in that time frame and it's getting a little overcrowded there and it kind of takes away from the second movie's story in my opinion. So yeah, I was a little hesitant about Resistance being another story and set in that, that era. But I, you know, again, I was optimistic about it at the same time because I did like Defiance a lot and, and I absolutely loved Isolation and thought, you know, this is this is going to be interesting and, and I'm definitely curious to see how it turns out. I agree with Adam. The story didn't really hold up as strong as I would have liked it to compared to Defiance and Isolation. It just, I don't know, it didn't translate as well as I was hoping it would. It wasn't terrible. It just wasn't as good as I was hoping it would be. The artwork, again, I think was pretty decent, but I also agree that uh, Amanda just didn't look right. Zula kind of looked a little odd to me too, if I'm being honest. Probably the highlight of the series, though, would have to be the cover arts. The cover art was was phenomenal for all of them, especially for the uh, variant covers. So Tristan handled the variant covers, if I remember rightly. And Roberto Della Torre did the standard cover art. And you know what? I, I, lo- I love the cover art for the trade, which I think was the cover art for the first issue. Yep. I really love that. I think it's really good. And Tristan's artwork, yes, of course. His his covers are phenomenal, as always. I don't think you can ever see a piece of Tristan Jones's artwork and not just want to frame it. Yep. I agree with you guys. I was really looking forward to the series. I think more so at the time as a isolation sequel than as a defiant sequel because i think at that point i hadn't reread the series and i was still riding and off my negative impressions of reading it through issue by issue but i was i was looking forward to actually finding out you know more about amanda but i, I was disappointed by the run i must be honest i think i think the entire this particular series resistance had some real pacing issues as far as i'm concerned lots of things only being given like a, a page or two before moving on like like their whole reunion i think was two pages and i just felt it lacked a lot of impact from that because by all accounts that was the first time they'd run into each other for ages that was that was the implication but they just felt like there was no no emotional stuff there at all and i think that happened a lot throughout this run it was just things not being given time lots of random ideas that i thought were either really interesting but didn't get the space to do things with to flesh them out or just random ass stuff that i was like why the why, why is this here what was the point of this kind of thing uh, unlike you guys i actually quite like the artwork i really like robert Carey's style so I like the artwork as well. I don't I don't mean to sound like I didn't. I just think the human characters had some issues, mainly their faces. Like the scenes where it's so, showing like the aliens or the spaceships or even the cities, like the kind of Blade Runner-esque city we see in the beginning. I really dig that artwork. So I don't mean to like bash the whole artwork. It was just the human characters I had a problem with. I disagree there. I liked I liked Kerry's style with those. Um, every, everything was kind of angular and lots of lots of shadow and, and, and thick blacks. But I, I thought it quite worked. I quite liked that, even with the humans. But yeah, it was still a disappointment for me as a whole, which I pin more on on the writing than I do on any of the artwork. But let's break it down then. Let, let, let's let's break it down. Real real quick, I just want to mention, yeah, the pacing, especially when compared to Defiance, because De- Defiance was an especially long run. Both of these were far shorter 
than defiance. And so that's one of the reasons why the pacing felt off for me. But yeah, I mean, starting in the, be- in the beginning, and this is kind of like the moment we we had been wondering about since the end of Alien Isolation, right? Amanda Ripley's just floating in space and it kind of ends on a very, you know, cliffhanger like, oh, but I mean, we do see her get rescued. So we know she gets rescued, but we don't see that in the comic, which is kind of what I was hoping we would see. It just jumps ahead three years and she's on Earth now. And she's apparently been black. This was the first thing I was kind of confused about. She's apparently been blacklisted by Wayland Yutani, like it says that in the beginning. But then they say, oh, they keep her on a short leash. And it's like, well, is she still employed by them or not? Like, so I was a little confused by that personally. Yeah, it didn't really seem to tie in with, with Blackout in that regard. Because I think, I assume the Mendel crew rescued Ripley, if I remember rightly. I think that was the implication in Blackout. But yeah, it didn't really tie into it at the, in, in the comic. So if you hadn't played the game, you didn't really know what was happening. And it just feels like a big jump. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I was a little disappointed with how the series started off. You know, we get a couple of frames with essentially the ending of Isolation, but it didn't really do anything with that. And I was really hoping they would. Real quick, you just reminded me of Blackout, Aaron, so I have to correct the record. I was saying I was disappointed with all the Alien Isolation related media, except for Blackout, which is funny because yeah. that was the one that everyone was super skeptical about, like it was going to suck. But it was fantastic. Blackout yeah. was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed Blackout also. Let's go through my notes, because I've wrote specific talking points. And if anybody has... So this will be in chronological order of the series. And uh, if anybody has anything extra to throw in there as well, do. So we've talked the pacing. I briefly mentioned the friendship thing. So how do we think the friendship was sort of, you know, their dynamic? These two are the, the main characters in the series. Do you think that really came through throughout? Because... Their first interactions just felt so empty, but they seem to be, you know, proper glimmers of that friendship later on that I, I quite enjoyed. Uh, how about you guys? Yeah, you know, I, I have to say one of the few things I did like about the both of these comic runs were the dynamics between Ripley, Zula, and their um, AI companion, Davis. Like, I thought... They all, with the exception of Davis, Davis just illogically leaving them behind at the end of this comic, which I thought was a little odd. But other than that, their actual interactions with each other and their character dynamics, I thought worked really well. So it's a shame that these stories felt so rushed because I, I do think they worked well as friends and uh, their friendship came across well. Yep. And I I would have to agree that their reunion seemed a, a little odd. You know, it didn't really flesh anything out there and, and it seemed empty. Uh, I think that was more an issue with the pacing. You know, they wanted to get that reunion out of the way and then jump right into the story as quickly as possible. Or at least that's the impression I, I took from it. Which is a shame because that, that is probably one of the, the moments that people were most excited about. And I'm just I'm just going to quickly check. But when did issue one come out? Had Blackout already come out at this point? I think this came out before Blackout did, if I'm remembering correctly. So this was January 23rd for the first issue, and Blackout came out... (laughs) Blackout came out January 24th. Though our website says it was 2018 that Blackout came out. That's wrong, isn't it? It came out last year. Yeah, it was for sure last year. year, It wasn't 2018. I'll I'll correct that after this. But yeah, so um, the first issue came out a day before blackout came out that was our first real substantial time with amanda after isolation i mean she'd had some brief cameos in defiance but yeah this was it so we're all craving to know what's happened with amanda after the end of isolation and we get this brief two-page how did you know how to find me thing and zula going you're not that hard to find amanda and that was it that was it 
hated that. Even knowing, even knowing what happened in Blackout, it's still because Blackout still sort of skimps on the rescue as well a little bit. So that 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 portion of the story is just not satisfying to me. Agreed. Yeah, I wish she would have gone into like, okay, how is she not hard to find? Like, I mean, I guess it just insinuates Whaling Yutani's keeping tabs on her, and Zula's kind of been monitoring Whaling Yutani's activities. So you could just come to that conclusion, but still, I wish they would have gone into it a bit more. Yeah, agreed. So, what a good portion of both series, uh, res- Resistance and uh, Rescue, focuses on these colony ships and, and colonists going out there into space. Did you think that was an interesting angle for these things? Was was that a, an aspect of the series as that pulled you in? Uh, well, for me, I I liked that angle. I thought it was appropriate and, and fitting for the universe. And, and they start laying the groundwork for that on the page immediately after Amanda and, and Zula's reunion, in my opinion. You know, that very first frame there with all the windmills, uh, that's kind of hinting at there was an energy crisis on Earth. And, and the cityscape, you know, below that being, you know, that Blade Runner-esque cityscape, it looks dirty and grungy and and later on they talk about the climate damage to earth and and everyone's desire to get away and start fresh i i thought that fit very well uh you know we haven't really seen a lot of earth in the alien movies uh, but the implication there was that earth was kind of a shithole as they said it in resurrection uh <laughs> So, I, you know, I thought all that fit in pretty well, in my opinion. It was kind of odd for me because uh, I was just thinking of Alien Covenant with the, the colony ship there. And the colony ship is so nice. And everyone is just like these professional scientists, you know, of course, in, until they start making uh, life and death decisions. But it was very much an opposite vibe for colonization in this book. It was like all refugees, like they were people with nothing to lose. Um, they, it was a highly unregulated thing where these ships would just blast off and no one would miss them if they they, if they were gone or whatever. So the way it portrayed colonization in this comic, I was like, really have things between alien and aliens, have things gone that bad that quickly? Like Hadley's hope seemed like a pretty good colony. So like, I, I do think it was a little too, I guess, portrayed as like this very, just, just like only the refugees would do this. Or maybe it was just this specific colonization that it was talking about, but it was kind of an odd tone shift from how we've seen colonization in the Alien franchise, for me personally. So yeah. To be fair, in terms of Covenant, I mean, Covenant, it, wouldn't have, it didn't tell you in the film, but, you know, in the extra stuff, you knew it, it was it was an early, far-out venture. You know, they were going further than anybody else had before, and it was early on in, in colonization. And this is set, what, 60-odd years after after Covenant? Something like that. So, you know, there there is a... A significant time uh, gap there for for things to have got that lax you know if it's that routine and that mundane that there's just quick dirty cheap companies selling seats on ships that they can go on to i didn't really find it that it didn't seem like it didn't seem like it didn't fit for me i guess it kind of goes with alien echo a bit how it's just like there's so many colonies out there and they're they've all just been kind of set up from scratch so but you you just have to wonder about it typically seemed like an aliens like whaling yutani was highly like managing these colonies and if they were like essentially refugee colonies like how do their governments work like are they setting up their own governments or is this like managed by whaling yutani so it was just a little confusing for me how it was portrayed well not everything has to come under whaling though you know i mean it's certainly they are one of the top dogs and the alien universe is very corporatized i mean that's something that rescue seems to to steer towards you know is is moving towards the corporate people having you know being the top dogs so i don't know it's it seemed it seemed reasonable to me and 
Would you want to go? Not if it was as it was portrayed in this comic. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, especially considering what happens to the colonists. So they get essentially diverted to this Wailing Newtoni Black site, which is like this space station that's on this asteroid orbiting this moon, which is orbiting another planet. And um, they have these con- these new combat synthetics, which Amanda and Zula actually run into because they before they leave the planet, they infiltrate this big Wailing Newtoni skyscraper, which is pretty cool. Again, very Blade Runner esque, like reminded me of like the Wallace Corp buildings in Blade Runner 2049 but it's just a singular tall structure and so I don't know I wish it would have showed more of the infiltration of that so it kind of goes to the pacing of this comic again Ripley's in there with the uh, the Android AI Davis and they're like downloading data and she gets confronted by these like new advanced synthetics which they don't really come back in much capacity do they well it's it's funny because you know the the cloaked ones they meet in issue three or four, they say they are the ones that they've already run into on the on Earth. Yeah, they they look totally they different. Look to- like, yeah, nothing alike. Once you get to the black site, like they look like advanced working Joes when they're infiltrating the skyscraper. But then once they get to the black site, they look like armored and totally different. Like I like the looks of both of them, but it just seemed like they didn't run into those initial androids again in either comic. No, you know what that that whole thing is something I actually had an issue with as well. You know, I thought it was an interesting angle, and I always do, and I always have, to show other developments from the aliens other than using them purely as um, as foot soldiers kind of thing. You know, it's one of the reasons I I actually get quite disappointed with Rogue, because they talk about using them for other things but don't really do anything with it. And here we actually get to see things they do with it, which are the synths and the acid-tipped bullets, but... I think the the bullets is is a stupid idea. I think they're daft, and I don't see that they actually showed any justifiable demonstration of why those synths were so fucking awesome. At least at that point in the story. I mean, the cloaked ones later on are, are cool because they they cloaked and they're fucking impenetrable. But that seems more something for a predator side of the franchise than an alien side of the franchise. It even kind of teases it. Like Amanda says, "What model of synthetic are you?" And then Zula shoots a missile into the building, which again I thought was weird. It's like you might hit Amanda there. <laughs> and then Amanda makes her escape by just jumping out of out of a, a wreckage hole in the building into that was the stupid. ship as well <laughs> but although the panel of amanda pulling the synth onto her back as protection i thought was fucking wicked i thought that was a nice moment but yeah brad what do, what do you think of the whole other things to do with the aliens other than than you know your infantry well i, I really liked it personally i, I thought the uh, acid tip bullets were really cool i think that's an interesting advancement for the the weaponry there and and it could be you know, pretty damaging to a person to get shot, even if you're just grazed. And and that's exactly what happened to Amanda. She just got grazed and it still did some significant damage to her with the acid burns. I thought it was even more interesting that they had the androids later on capable of smelling your breath, like picking up the nitrogen from your breathing. Uh, You know, that seems like something that they would have borrowed from the the face huggers, maybe. And I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, That's probably the coolest thing I've, I've seen as far as how they would use the aliens to advance their their bioweapons research and things like that yeah the uh, the later ones you know the nitrogen ones i think were the only real demonstrably advancements that they got from the aliens uh, i'd forgot about that but yeah you're totally right what about amanda being claustrophobic After i was actually just just uh about to mention that yeah i mean it makes sense considering I- she was stranded out there for three days in a, in a spacesuit. So that, that was kind of an interesting angle. 
and it goes towards her hiking as well at the start. I think. Yeah. I thought that that was actually a really nice piece of development for Amanda. I lo- I love to see yeah. old encounters actually influencing them, the characters going forwards. And I mean, it it doesn't. You, you get a little bit of it again later on. You know, when she's like, "Please, not pressure suits," and they end up in a pressure suit, and she has to be the one that you know jumps off and and, and goes for Zula. But it, it didn't. It wasn't too prominent at that point. But I do like that it is there. And that that is something for other writers to potentially play with if they go back and revisit this time frame because there's still a jump between this and and rescue anyway. So there is this still is still a lot of um, gray space around here now. Yeah, I, I thought it was a nice touch and it made Amanda feel more human. Although they sure do love punishing her in this series. I mean, isolation was just bang bang. I don't know, honestly. Now that I think about it, I don't know if the claustrophobia thing really works for me because I'm like she spent her whole career in space. Even if you had like a a close to death experience where you were stranded for that long in a spacesuit. Like she had been in spacesuits for so so much before. Like even at the beginning of isolation, we see how comfortable she is in the spacesuit when the um uh what was her name? The Whaling Utani executive who was with them. The Taylor. other woman. Taylor, right. So she was yeah. she was panicking and Ripley was totally fine. So it's kind of weird to see Ripley the one panicking after she had been through all that which I mean I get that like a big a big theme of multiple books and comics has been like the PTSD like these experiences can give you but I would think that that would be more related to like the aliens themselves as opposed to just like the conditions of working in space which I would think Amanda even having gone through that would be more used to would the reverse of that been more interesting where she's not scared as as being in tight spaces but scared of this endlessness around her yeah, that might have that might have been interesting, but I don't know. Maybe more scared of like traveling in space itself or something. Or or maybe being scared of not having a spacesuit on. Yeah. So I don't know. It was just one of those things where it was like it wasn't as interesting for me as Zula dealing with her uh her back disability in Defiance, which again, like that never comes up again after her she had her surgery at the end of, of Defiance. Like that's just never mentioned again. Which I mean, I guess if that part of her story's done, it's done. But it, it was interesting that that was such a big part of Defiance and now it's just kind of gone. I can't remember if it's really talked about in prototype. Do do you remember, Brad? Uh, they talk about it, but I, I don't. I don't think they spend a lot of time on it. It's more of a background info for the reader mm. at that point. Prototype's more about her becoming a leader than anything else, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's that's fair. That's that's fair, Ridgetop. I can't disagree with you there. Still haven't read prototype. <laughs> well, that's that's going to be the next one after the uh, the interview. So I'll get on it. And end end of Feb that'll be that episode. So yeah, when when they divert the ship. I guess they were infiltrating the uh, the Whaling Utani skyscraper to learn the location of the black site, right? That was why they were yes, in there. Yes. So then they hitch a ride on the colony ship with their their much smaller craft, and they go into um, hypersleep for just like nine days, and we see some of Amanda Ripley's claustrophobia, and then they they find this black site, which looks really cool but we don't get to see much of it from the inside again like those instagram teases with the artwork that showed like a working black site facility was was kind of cool but we never really see that we just kind of we follow the colonists that have been woken up and they have all these black bags over their heads and uh they're marched into this chamber and then this uh gas is released and this is something we were a bit confused about i know aaron you thought that the 
they were just being like nerve gassed or something or like knocked out to be transferred to the planet where there were aliens already there. But it seems to me like they're breathing some kind of accelerant because I mean, later there's multiple chest bursters and even Amanda Ripley questions like the young boy survivor and like, did they inject you with anything that kind of like insinuates he might have been infected? I thought that was more about the tracker than anything else, though, because that was their evidence or part of their evidence. Hmm. That's that's how I took that too. Was they were asking about whether or not he had been tagged for tracking? Oh, I see, I see. But it still seems odd to me that they're just like all these chestbursters are coming out of of all these colonists, and we yeah, never once see them face hugged. Random so. as hell was that bit, and it was as stupid in this as it was in um, in Requiem, as far as I'm concerned. Hey, at least in Requiem, we saw how it worked in it. Like, I don't know. I bought the explanation. We'll we'll get to Requiem. We still have our drunk night for that coming up, right? Uh, next week, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm excited. Not too, not too drunk, though. I've actually done a lot of fucking research. And I've no, taken a just, lot of notes. We'll just get a little tipsy. But yeah, it, what you were saying kind of goes to a, a problem I had with the series, which was what was the point of the facility? You know weapons trial on on what just just the aliens massacring people uh, to test some you know arbitrary time to kill kind of thing but then i think davis mentioned something about it being an, an, an accelerated generational thing so in in that light perhaps your inference of you know this gas being something to create more chest bursters makes more sense are they just is it just a big farm are they just trying to beast out the amount of numbers that they can get from these colonists i mean what what, what was the point yeah it doesn't really make it clear what whaling yutani was up to which i mean that's part of whaling yutani but it was uh exceptionally murky in this one the way i was interpreting the events or the uh motivations of the purpose of this black site they were i guess doing two things uh one was studying the alien and and how they could use this biology to you know make their advanced synthetics and weapons and things like that but then, then they were also uh trying to facilitate an accelerated uh evolution of the organism itself and i thought that was portrayed visually with the appearance of the alien you know when you catch a glimpse of one of them and it it does look slightly different like its forearms seemed more heavily armored that kind of thing yeah that that was intentional so i i asked um, rob Carey about it and he said that he intended it to be like an alien version of something called tree man syndrome so hmm. he rob wanted it to be like a, an armored the aliens were sort of like armored by what could be their vision of tumors it, it personally reminded me of uh, the gorilla aliens kenner's gorilla aliens and uh, he also uh, kerry also said <laughs> it, it was influenced by how much he just used to love the name bone soldier which was a wrestler in um something called the njpw i haven't looked up what that was but i'll, I'll, I'll briefly read what tree man syndrome is yeah, it's where they have the hard calcified like limbs, right? The fancy name for it, um, also known as Treeman Syndrome, is an extremely rare autosomal recessive hereditary skin disorder associated with a high risk of cancer. It was characterized by abnormal susceptibility to human, oh my god, papilliomaviruses, HPVs of the skin. The resulting uncontrolled HPV infections result in the growth of scaly macules and papules resembling tree bark, particularly on the hands and feet. There you go. Interesting. The picture looks um, 
Yeah, uh, that that certainly looks like bark on his hands. But it yeah. definitely definitely seems like they're being infected with gas, just how it's portrayed. Like, when we see Alec up close breathing in the gas, and the android says, you're about to become part of something beautiful, like, and there's, like, breathe deep. If this was just a knockout gas, they wouldn't have, like, put that much emphasis on the moment there, I think. But it's just not clear. It's just not clear. But if it was just face huggers, they they shouldn't have multiple bursters. Yeah, no, they shouldn't. Which was all. I, d- I don't like it when it's part of Prometheus syndrome leaking into this. I don't like too much ambiguity. Don't get me wrong. I don't like having. I don't mind some degree of of hypothesizing things. But the problem I feel is that you know Wood probably didn't even know what he was doing with this. Yeah. No, there's a difference between like effective mystery that's meant there to be in the background and be tantalizing as opposed to just ambiguity just because, well, we got to move the plot along. This thing happens because this, you know, so yeah. uh, real quick, I wanted to point out also that this uh, Black Stite base station, you know, it was built into an asteroid. I actually really liked that. If I'm not mistaken, that's very similar to one of Ron Cobb's concept arts for the Nostromo refinery. Yes. Yeah, it was a very cool visual. I think there was also yeah. some early uh, Colonial Marines concept art that kind of had that same idea, just a base built into an asteroid, something we never saw in the game. But Oh, was it? Oh. Yeah, I think because infestation ties into it, I'm pretty sure infestation goes to Phobos. Because I'm pretty sure there's a big-ass gorilla there, a gorilla alien on that base. So yeah, you're, you're right. I just think it, I just think it was specifically the, the Mars's moon rather than a random asteroid. Gotcha. Well, still looked pretty cool. So yeah, the visual in this of the Black Site was interesting. And it's a shame we, we didn't get to see more of, of the workings of the Black Site. Because when they go down to the planet, it's just... It felt like it belongs more in a Predator fun. comic. Yeah. Yeah. Not Where's, that I don't like aliens in the jungle, well? but where's I yeah. want I want a jungle hive is what I want. Nobody will give it me. Covenant wouldn't yeah. give it me. <sighs> and the second one, they it's not like a jungle anymore. Well, because they they go it's from a the moon planet. planet. Yeah. But that was another thing. We're gonna get to this in the second one. But they're like it's ten times the size of Earth. I'm like, then you should be dead if you're walking on it like that amount oh, of gravity. Yes, I had the same thought. I was like, man, gravity would be crushing everything right now. But now they're walking around on it like it's fine. Yeah, that bugged me. But we'll we'll get to the next comic. <laughs> oh boy! Sorry for the immediately you know depressing episode. <laughs> hey, we we always find things we like. There's things yeah. about these comics that that I like. Like there's some really good panels and there's some really good ideas. It's just some of the execution didn't work for us. I think I quite liked some of the 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 gun porn stuff. You know the the stubby. Oh, pulse I was just about to mention that. Was, yeah, was pretty wicked. Yeah, the pulse rifle SMGs. Yeah, that, yeah. It reminded me of an Uzi actually. So uh, I thought that was cool. And the um the the fucking smart scope on the one that Zula has. when they get their pulse rifles. Yeah. yeah. Although where the fuck did they come from? Where did they keep that? Oh, they they got them from the ship. They specifically said like there's an armory in the colony ship, which is oh, weird that Wayland Utani would send them down there like unless they wanted to collect combat data or something. But the scope was cool. I really liked that. It was cool. It was like a big screen that would like show their thermal signature or whatever. Mm-hmm. And aesthetically, I thought it worked as well. I had no problems yeah. with that. Did anybody notice? Um, well, did did anybody get a chuckle out of the the Martian flashback? With, Which, the, with the duct tape being used to fix the... Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that I was I didn't cool. get that reference, but I get it now. I fucking love that. That proper made me chuckle. Especially, have you ever read the book? No. Okay. No, I haven't I, read Where's book. I love the movie, though. I haven't read the book either, but yeah, I saw the movie, and that scene with the, the duct tape was a very, very tense scene in the movie, and I immediately associated the scene in the comic with, with that scene from the movie with the duct tape on the visor. But I think I think he goes into much more of his love for duct tape as a tool in the book. 
if I remember rightly. And I think I think there's something about it actually being a, a realistic tool that they like to use in terms of NASA because I'm sure it's been used to fix some random ass stuff on the space station as well. So that's that. that really made me chuckle and it was a shame we didn't see more of amanda as an engineer in the series and you know showing off that expertise i didn't feel like either series really did enough with the characters outside of the making them heroic figures i mean i know i know i said i liked the um the claustrophobia thing in in terms of amanda's but other than that i don't it doesn't really do much with the with the specific characters yeah i'll, I'll agree with that that was one of the things that that bugged me about Amanda Ripley's portrayal. You know, one of the things that uh, I really liked about her as a character from Isolation was that she was an engineer and and was constantly had to improvise devices and and things like that to survive. And she didn't do any of that in the in the two comic series here. Yeah, now that you mention it, there wasn't a whole lot of engineering going on like we see in Isolation, which is one of the coolest parts about that game was her problem solving with her engineering skills. Yeah. I think it was one it's it's one of her defining character traits I think as well. So, yeah. Although around this time when they're on the planet there is a cool um Jurassic Park panel, you know, like a raptor panel where we see the aliens chasing after Alec and you see the 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 trails of them through the long grass, which I like I like to see because that was also um, like a Ward's Vincent Ward kind of shout out because I'm pretty sure he did that in his Alien 3 script as well. It's a shame we didn't actually see more of the aliens being well, it's on one of Tristan Jones's covers too. The, that really cool shot with Zula and Amanda and the aliens stalking them in the long grass. Mm-hmm. Which again, Tristan's covers like we, we can never you know give enough praise to Tristan. Like especially that first alternate cover with the alien and the lightning storm was just so cool looking. Yeah. What did we feel about the aliens' treatment then? Did they really get enough to do? Again, it was one of the weakest parts of of this comic for me. Like any tension in this comic, almost none of it was related to the aliens for me. Unfortunately, not in my opinion. I mean, some of the artwork was okay. But just for me, like especially now with the new AVP comic that launched and that same artist, uh, you know him, Aaron, the guy who did the destroying Al- the destroying angels, Doug Wheatley. Yeah, so that's. Like seeing that alien art and I don't mean to compare artists because like every artist has their own style and some of it clicks for me and some of it doesn't. But I guess it was less about the aliens look for me because they they look okay. But just in almost every in every shot we see them, it's just like a whole bunch of them just all jumping at once. And it's like brightly lit in a green open plains. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know. It just didn't do it for me with the aliens. I think it was, it's them being mowed down all the time. I mean, the company and the narrative always makes it out to be such huge trouble that everybody's going to to get these aliens and take advantage of them. But the story's never... Yeah, yeah, you're right. We see like one panel where it's just Zula firing and then it's like this massive explosion and a bunch of them flying everywhere. Like it's so against the feeling of isolation and even like some of the novels like Out of the Shadows where um, it's just such a pain in the ass just to kill one of them. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that. And I think it was... I've seen Tristan Jones say this where, you know, if, if you have several aliens running around and people have machine guns and they're just mowing them down it kind of takes away from the tension if you stick with you know having fewer aliens and not the best means of disposing of them it it builds more of that tension and and makes the alien seem a lot more menacing i fully agree with that and i think that's one of the things that people really struggle with when they're trying to tell an alien story is they they get stuck in this trap of wanting to recapture that magic that james cameron did but i don't think it's as simple as that yeah uh, that's that's one of the reasons why dead orbit was was so fantastic when that comic came out is because it took that you know other approach of more of the alien feel as opposed to the 
aliens feel. Yeah. And I yeah. think you can do that. Aliens feel right. It's just it's a difficult balance, right? Like you can have yes. scenes where aliens are getting mowed down, but the tension still has to be there. And the movie Aliens did that so well. Like it balanced the action and it balanced like the the more powerful weapons and the ability to kill the aliens with them being a threat that if they got to you like you were done. It's it's almost like it, even in the video games there, like AVP 2010, like you're mowing down the aliens, but they feel like a threat. And in Colonial Marines, they totally don't. So there's yeah. a way it can be done right, I think. And, and this comic was just showing them like almost every panel. It's like, oh, here come a bunch of aliens fire back at them and they're all flying in the air because they've all been killed. Like it's very just exaggerated, like them taking them out. Uh, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. It can be done. It's just it's not as simple as as you would think it is. I I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and I don't I don't think they they portrayed the aliens in the best way in in this series. You know, it's or they're the mowed one. down too easily. Yeah, I thought that was a problem with the rescues. I mean, it's a problem with the the comics in general. I think the the books seem to have done a bit of a better job with it. Cold Forge certainly did. Prototype did. Out of the shadows, like you mentioned, uh, that did as well. So the the books seem to use them better. Well, I think the standalone comics have been stronger for me too, like um, Dead yeah, Orbit Dead and Orbit even and even Dust to Dust, Dust. I thought portrayed the aliens really, really well. Yeah, that I can't argue with, I suppose. But th- those are as complete packages, I think, a lot better than what these two offer as well. Although, though, on a, on a good line, I loved Zula's uh, Peter Pants line. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that got a chuckle. And it, it shows the friendship between them, yeah. Yeah, it was one of the moments where I was like, yes, give us give us some, you know, bonding between these two. Because they, they, it's all been set up as these being really good mates. And I think you only really get glim- proper glimmers of that, proper looks at that in the flashbacks in, in the isolation novel, Curse It!, no, Prototype doesn't really do anything with it. That, that I think, those flashbacks are the only real genuine moments of, of friendship between the two. I don't think this or the next one do too much with it outside of these small moments. Yeah. What did you think about the whole them surviving atmospheric reentry in their spacesuits and having this, like, hex grid cushion that comes out? I wasn't a fan of that. I, I meant to look into this, actually, as to whether it was a sort of real thing that they were looking at that nasa or somebody might have been looking at but as a as an unknowledgeable pleb yeah it seemed a bit eh to me it seemed like a kind of a lazy explanation for how they survived the fall i think they, they could have come up with something better yeah and they kind of use it again at the beginning of the next comic for how they survived the end of this comic mm. yeah well speaking of kind of random what the fuck stuff you know amanda takes a f- fucking mini boulder to the side of red and doesn't seem to... Um... Oh, yeah, when the kid whacks her. Yeah. yeah. It did, It looked like a sizable rock, and she just... I don't get she me wrong. She just says, ow. <laughs> I, loved, I loved her flipping flipping him over and reversing it and showing some of the Amanda badassness, but I was a little like, surely something that big must have yeah. fucking uh, made you see they stars. Could, they could have gotten away with him just, like, grabbing her, throwing a punch or something. Mm. The boulder to the head was a little like, yeah, she would be a little more hurt than that, but... So we see the colonists kind of wandering the the woods. And this is actually one of the few scenes I, I do like on this planet because the woods are very dark and they're these big trunks and stuff. Uh, but then it just kind of cuts to them and you see like their remains and they're they're almost like mush. Like there's like skeletons and like organs just everywhere. And they look kind of like melted away, which makes me think like they were infected with something because I don't think the aliens could have done that to them i mean like it's just kind of weird and unexplained but then again isn't the belly burster sequence kind of explain them you know they they mold the third one and 
the acid blood melting them away kind of thing is that supposed to be the inference of that and what was the point of that for a start as well was that supposed to be a survival of the fittest kind of thing i don't know yeah that was just... well we do see the smaller chest burster is the one that gets killed by the other two which again just right out of birth like felt kind of weird like at least in alien resurrection it had like a purpose to it they were like well we need to get out of this room you're the weakest one but in this one it's just like okay they're gonna start killing each other like right after they chest burst what yeah i i was i had mixed feelings about it i thought it was kind of an interesting choice but at the same time it didn't really have a a reason for it so i don't know uh i could have done without that i've never really been a fan of the multiple chest bursters idea um you know we saw it in avp requiem as you guys have mentioned before and we also saw it in uh aliens original sin i didn't like it in either of those instances and and i didn't really like it here either but you know this was the first time we saw them behaving like sharks i guess where they right after being born they're vicious and trying to kill each other off and the first time we ever uh heard of multiple bursters darren was gibson's alien 3 script right the original yes the first draft because it was much more right but it, in the second one but it wasn't in the comic there weren't the multiple bursters in the comic no because that was the second draft right they did it off the, the more reasonable uh, draft gotcha it was just the whole like werewolf <laughs> werewolf birth pretty much yeah yeah well that that was the big difference thing for him wasn't it what do you think about the davis in the bomb thing because i think that's where most of the drama from this one comes it seems to have been like this whole big thing about them leaving him behind in it yeah then he casually just downloads himself back into the ship at the end of it yeah completely getting rid of all the tension and it's the same thing at the end of this comic too where it's like you know they're gonna survive but it plays it off like they're gonna die and it's just like the whole not to get into this hornet's nest but it's like the whole thing with the rise of skywalker right like the fake out deaths like oh my god they're gonna die oh wait no they're fine like this this does it with davis and it does it with amanda and zula and it's just like come on that's so lazy like i don't mean to be mean it's just like yeah it's it's a very shallow plot tactic i think where he's just like they even make it kind of like a a dramatic sequence when she's like you're still with me right he's like no i wish i was i'm back here on the bomb and then he's like oh no yeah i just downloaded myself back onto the ship it's like what then then why even give it that weight yeah and and he also says you know like uh, he's cut off all means of electronic approach so i kind of took that to mean like he there was no network access for him or anything but it turns out he's just got this fucking wireless dongle that he turns on so he can download himself back out and i was fuck that fuck that whole sequence like yeah i did not like davis in the bomb what about you brad did you hate it or a bit kinder to it than us I I wasn't a fan of that either. I didn't really like the idea that Davis could just willingly jump around to different places. I thought it was weird that he showed up in in uh, Zula's hairpin. I think it was. I think that was supposed to be more a com relay than anything, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, was that what it was? Okay. Yeah, that was at least that's how I took it. Yeah, I didn't like the idea of him being in the bomb and then and then suddenly he's not there anymore. And yeah, I agree. It it took away uh, a lot of the tension there. Yeah, he he really he transferred around a lot, which is not something we've ever seen with Android AIs before. Like he he'll be in her gun one minute, and he'll be in Amanda's briefcase, and then he'll be on a nuclear weapon. And so it's it's very like he's like this weird um, omnipotent android presence. <laughs> Let's hope that that's not what David does in the next movie. It's more an alien, uh, a Halo thing, isn't it, than anything? That's Cortana. That's not. Yeah. Although I did find the talking bomb thing kind of funny because that's kind of like a um, a Dark Star kind of throwback. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, I do love that movie. Although I I suspect entirely unintentional. 
But yeah. Although I did really like the last page of the duo of Amanda and, and Zula when the bomb went off. I thought that was a cool sort of like friendship and, and bonding kind of page. I thought the artwork was pretty sweet then. It was, but if they were blowing the aliens away like they were nothing before, like it makes no sense they couldn't just run back and get on the ship or why he didn't just land closer to them or whatever. I'm just a nitpicky nerd, man. I can't help it. <laughs> No, it's fine. It's reasonable. I mean, how does the how does the artwork portray it? The the blast goes off, incinerates the aliens, and they just have time to turn the hex on, and then you've got that last page of them together. I don't know that, that that last bit worked for me. It just lagged them being together there. Yeah, it, it is a cool shot. I just wish it could have been used, and I don't know. But the whole sequence of them having such this tight bond with Davis, and then he's just gonna leave them behind and not try and save them, and just save the kid. Like I get they try and explain it, like he's. He's evidence and stuff, but so yeah, he it was just kind of odd because he's like get to the evac point and then he just like takes off when again they've had no problem up to this point just running and mowing down the aliens while they're running. So it just feels like a climactic moment for its own sake to kind of like I don't know. It just didn't work for me. Yeah, it's it's certainly a fake out, isn't it? Because we do know that they're going to make it because they wouldn't kill him at this point. Exactly. So the. The biggest issue I had with the way it ended was we already knew that the story was going to continue with rescue. So we knew that they were going to survive and the cliffhanger ending they were going for was lost because of that. So I don't know. It it kind of felt like a cheap ending to me. Yeah. I suppose at that point it becomes more about how did they survive, which is kind of where a lot of like tying things lose stuff because you know you know there's always going to be that big red button, so it becomes a question of how does this happen. The way they explain how they survive and rescue is so bad too. Like even even the main character, the Colonial Marine, uh, Alec is like, wait, no, that doesn't make sense. And they have to like keep explaining how they survived. And I'm like, the planet had special radiation that ate up the other radiation. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like they keep going with this like, oh, no, we had the hex grid. Oh, it was the planet. And oh, no, the asteroids fell. And yeah, but we, we can we can whinge about that in the next bit because I I actually quite liked the idea of there being something different to, for people to fight over than the aliens, but we'll talk about that later. All right. Well, I think we've pretty thoroughly covered resistance. Yes. Unless there's anything else you guys have to add? No, I'm good. Yeah, I think I'm good too. Would either of you like to sum up uh, rescue, or would you like me to do it again? I'll I'll just go ahead and do it since I have it right in front of me here. So the story starts. It's about I don't know how many years later five they years. say five years later. Yeah. So Alec is now a colonial marine private, and it starts with him on a lunar base meeting with um uh, I guess she's a Bowden. lieutenant, a lieutenant commander of, Bowden. Right in the uh, and she's essentially inviting him to become part of the special forces like marine force recon or something or does it say and then it gives us a little panel that kind of shows the end of when it's just like the title card it shows the end of the last comic which is kind of cool but again we see amanda and zula and they look kind of a little too cartoony in this like it kind of reminds me of three world war but like worse (laughs) Anyway, we have kind of a flashback sequence where we see Alec growing up in just like these really dirty slums, like kind of, again, makes me think of like Blade Runner 2049, like Earth has gone to shit and he's finding this new start off world. And uh, he's telling the story to the um, lieutenant commander and then she uh, she invites him to be part of Deep Space Recon, but she shows him pictures of Amanda and Zula and he he asks her like, what moon was that on? And she's like, well, I can't give that information. It's classified. I'll see you around. And then we have kind of a training sequence on Mars. They land on Mars with these dropships, which is kind of weird because given what we know about Prometheus, you would expect Mars to look, you know, 
a little more colonized by now, but they all drop on Mars and these like insectoids come out of the ground. And this this was another part where I was just like, come on, really? Like, so they say they dropped all these nukes to like terraform the planet. And then these these bugs came out of the ground and they, they just look like big old grasshoppers pretty much. And they're all fighting them. And Alec is having like... PTSD flashbacks to the aliens on the uh, the jungle moon, which is kind of a cool sequence. But I just wish it, it was kind of strange seeing that on Mars. It was like, given what we know from Prometheus, again, I'm being a stupid nerd here, but it's just like stop nicking, it felt nitpicking weird. details as you do in the summary. <laughs> just do the bloody summary. I'll do the summary. Sorry, we'll get to that. So he gets bitten by one of the bugs, and there's this funny sequence where the marines like hurts like hell. Don't it, marine? Everyone gets it eventually. Embrace the pain, and it's just like very like hurrah, marines kind of moment. Anyway, skips ahead. They're on the moon base again, and the lieutenant commander is back to see Alec, and she's like, "Oh, Ripley and Hendrix would be proud of you." And then she shows him more pictures of Ripley and Hendrix that are recent saying, oh, they're still alive. It's an undisclosed location, but it's a big operation. They need people. And so she eventually invites him to join them on whatever mission they're doing that's being led by Amanda and Zula. And that's the end of the first issue. And going to the next one, they're kind of just traveling through space and they go back to the planet and there's like a marine base in orbit, which is essentially like two Conestoga ships with these like connecting tunnels between them and stuff. And then we see Amanda and, and Zula there and they're it looks like they're in a senior position here and Alec is reunited with them. He's like, why'd you keep it a secret? I thought you were dead this whole time. Let's see. So then she shows him the planet and this is essentially where she's describing how they survived saying there was a nuclear detonation in orbit. It was pretty low yield and the moon was able to maintain orbit, but it started to break apart soon after the debris had been falling for years and growing exponentially in its final hours, Alex, like, how could the home planet survive this? And she's like, the unique biome present on that moon was a hint of what the home planet could offer. A systemic bacterial presence that literally eats radiation. Our hex shelters protected us from the initial blast, but Zula and I should have been killed in the hours that followed. Heat rads, carbon monoxide, heavy metals. This planet thrives under onslaught. So essentially they go on saying like the planet has unique properties and that Whalen yutani is looking to collect on the planet's unique properties. And they're essentially there to prevent that from happening. And then they go down to the planet's surface. And this part was weird too. Like it was almost like a... So they, they're in this smaller dropship. It looked pretty cool. It was like a dropship kind of glider thing. I'm pretty sure it was based on a, um, on a fucking modern day VTOL thing that the military have. I couldn't tell you what it is. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure I've seen something like that knocking around. Yeah, it's now. like a s- smaller, sleeker dropship. I-, I like the design of it. But they essentially just pull above these uh, this migrating herd of aliens and open the door. And Zula's like, yeah, just take them out. And it's like the tone of how the aliens are kind of treated in these comics. <laughs> an osprey. It looks like an osprey. Yeah. So, but yeah, completely agree there. But again, stop getting, stop doing specifics. You're right. I'm sorry. So he just pops him out the side of the dropship, and uh, Zula's like the aliens have been migrating north, and we're gonna take the fight to them, and that's the end of issue three. Two. Issue two. My bad. So it moves forward to like they're hiking in a very like rocky area. And and the Rocky Mountains look pretty cool how they're portrayed in this. But again, I wish we were getting like, I'm sorry, I keep doing that. (laughs) A jungle hive. Alec asks them a bit more like how they survived. Oh, and we also see Davis. He's flying around in a little drone now. (laughs) So he's uh, Android controlling the drone that's just monitoring them. And he has like a weapons platform on the drone. 
Let's see. Our hex shelters protected us from the initial blast. This ecosystem did the rest. And Alex, like you're leaving out parts of the story. I've seen what orbital nuclear detonations can do. People terraform worlds that way. Hex shelters are. And that's another thing. A whole nuclear detonation, like terraforming. Like, Stop it. Use, like, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I keep doing it. Stop it. This is, this is all notes to talk about later. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You're right. So... People terraform worlds that way. Hex shelters are one-time use devices at best. You had six hours protection, right? You saved my life, everything. I... So yeah, it, I just want to know what happened. And then we see another flashback of Amanda and Zula kind of in like the flaming damaged moon that they're surviving on. And it's a cool shot where they see like this alien coming out of the, the fire. But again, we don't see much more of that. And now we see their encampment. And this scene, funny that you mentioned Jurassic Park, Aaron, because this also kind of reminded me of the Lost World. Like everyone goes to sleep at the camp yeah but it's a bunch of aliens and this is another thing that makes me think like maybe he was immune to whatever they infected him with because the aliens don't go after alec at all well they talk about it in the narrative don't they it's it's all built up to that final issue of what's controlling them it's all this big fucking mystery around the migration that's just yeah Hmm. i i guess i didn't get that but alec says it at the end of the issue Right. I didn't know it was related to the aliens, like not going after him. But another weird part is that, okay, so they do show more of Amanda and Zula in a flashback and they show uh, Davis coming back, which he does have a working Joe body again and giving them medical treatment and rescuing them from the planet. And it shows kind of their recovery and their bonding for their bonding as friends. But yeah, then we have the scene where they're they're in the encampment, everyone's asleep, and uh, Davis is kind of telling Brand like to stay put because the, the aliens are there, and the aliens just kind of like pass by him, and one looks directly at him, but doesn't like doesn't attack there is this really cool shot at the last panel where it's like it's probably my favorite panel in this entire comic where it's just the alien in the rain like looking the side from the alien's back that sequence is the only only real sequence in the comic that i think the aliens look good yeah and then after that he's kind of following them and this goes to the final issue and now we're kind of seeing ahead to the end where they're doing a whole hearing on this and there's a bunch of high-ranking individuals that are questioning the lieutenant commander about this operation that we're watching unfold uh but now they're heading towards the alien hive and it's like in the middle of this big crater and they drop down essentially they're all going into the hive they get in a battle with the aliens Sorry, I'm not doing a very good job summarizing the story, but it's very like... Regretting this. This happens and this happens. One of the Marines gets killed. It is. It's just a lot of battle. It's a head bite. Yeah, it's just a lot of battle. At this point, Alec is kind of reminiscing about like his impoverished upbringings and how he's like turned himself into Marine and how he feels grateful that he was saved by Amanda and Zula and he's like becoming someone that can make the burden easier for them. And then we get the panel where it's like three queens in a hive with all these eggs and all these warriors. And Amanda's like, this is too big. This is too much for us to handle. So Davis is still talking them, keeping an eye on the operation from his drone platform. They're telling him about the massive chamber. And then Alec comes up with a plan. He has these seismic charges and he's going to, they're going to time weapons fire from the drone with the blast from the seismic charges and bring down the rocks on top of the hive. So they fight their way out while Alec kind of stays behind and he's saying like, I'll survive this and runs into the aliens and they, they won't attack him. So he plants the charges. Then these, uh, these bombs come down from the drone and they fight their way out and Alec detonates the bomb. The hive comes down and he crawls out of the rubble. He survives. 
I'm trying to find the part you were talking about, Aaron, where it's like explains why the aliens won't attack him because I know it's in this issue. It's not. It's at the end of issue three. Yeah. Hang on. Sunrises in a, less than an hour. They'll see you, Brandon. They'll kill you. I don't think so. Skip the next panel. That monster looked me right in the eye and kept on going. Something is controlling them for sure. Right, right. Okay, so now I know what I was thinking here. Like, he was... I think he was just, like, theorizing what was happening. Again, it doesn't really explain it. But do you really think Waylon Yutani was directly controlling the aliens? And if so, why wouldn't they just have him well, no, attack they them? That, that was the point. The whole mystery of this series is what the fuck is with the aliens all just fucking off to this northern hemisphere and it just amounts to nothing more than there being a bunch of queens calling them right but it was never about wayland why wouldn't they attack him just because he had a tracker i I mean they had they attacked the other colonists who all had trackers so i'd never said it was about the trackers there's no, no, there was no reason other than that apparently they, them going up to the queens was more important. Hmm. Yeah, but even in the end, when they're all there in the hive, like the only one the aliens won't attack is him. That's because what? the comic's bad. It's poorly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I you know, see. There it is. <laughs> go, going back to the uh, the scene where it just looks right at Alec and, and doesn't attack him, and, he, and then it just keeps going on its way in the camp. The aliens didn't attack anybody else either. I mean, they walked right past Amanda while she was sleeping in her tent and didn't do anything. So I don't I don't think it was necessarily Alec having some sort of immunity to him or something about him that was special that made the aliens not attack him. And I think ultimately uh, Aaron hit the nail on the head. That last issue was just bad. It's weird, though, specifically in the end, how they, they tell him, like, you'll be killed as he runs into the hive to plant the charges, and he's like, no, they won't hurt me. But we do see them kill other Marines in that final issue. Does he say they won't hurt me? Let me get. Let me go to the part here. It's just a lot of internal monologue about him saying, I must do this. I must survive. I can't fail them. Yeah, but he runs like right up into the eggs, like right up to the queens and plants the charges. And we, don't, we don't see him get attacked once by the aliens. He skips by a load of them falling down a hill. I'm not I'm not saying that I don't disagree that he seems to be missing everything. I'm just saying it's, yeah. it's a shit comic. Even the queens just kind of surround him. Like you see the three queens like surrounding him and they don't attack him, which makes me think there must have been like he had a natural. Im- That's the only logical thing I can think of. Like he had a natural immunity to the. It was the- just a bad series. <laughs> there's, there's nothing in this about any. Well, immunity. I'm trying to make it better. Let me no, try. No, it's not. <laughs> This entire rescue was a pointless comic series. I I, I, w- I was going to pass it off to Brad first to sum this up, uh, to sum up his opinions, but now you've got me going. I fucking hate a rescue. <laughs> you know, Resistance felt like it was rushing between concepts and between scenes and trying to do a lot in a little. Rescue felt like a slow waste of a story. You know, this... This story didn't need to be told. If they did, if they wanted to round up all the aliens and blow them up Earth Hive style, they needn't have done the fucking series because they could have just had the moon blowing up being the end of it. What we learn in that is is it's not interesting. Yeah, and seeing them all just migrating and getting mowed down from the air, just like again, it removes any tension related to the aliens, even more so than, than Resistance did. Yeah, the, the only fucking interesting stuff on that planet was this bloody radiation that ate radiation or whatever, which I think was interesting to see some non-alien, you know, interesting non-alien stuff to the company. Some, some world building, yeah. But yeah, it was pointless. It didn't need to be told. 
if this had been something or that I mean they'd already met the queens or at least at least Zula had we'd already had a queen in defiance if the whole point of that was showing these characters that queens control fucking aliens then it was entirely unsatisfying as a reader in terms of of, of lore and world building for the yeah. it'd have been more interesting if it was something like Primal Hunt with the fucking artifact that somehow had an influence on the alien I would have much preferred something like that this this didn't do anything for me also, wouldn't this have been the first time Amanda had ever seen Queens? Like, Unless something's happened in the eight years in between. Yeah. She says something like three really creepy mothers looking after them. Like, Well, you would have thought Zula would have fucking told her about the, the yeah. Queen as well in all that time. That, that was a problem I had with fucking Bran in that last issue going, what's all this? It's like, why brief him beforehand? <laughs> you give him, you give him all the information that you have on. It's a problem I have in the EU in general, where they have to bring the characters up to date for the casual audience to be up to date. Whereas you'd assume that they'd be given all this fucking information before they crack off. Especially with how long, you know, this this is Zula and Ripley's crusade. This is a, th- their entire purpose is fucking killing aliens at this point and keeping them out of hands you'd think everybody else on the team knew everything they did as well anyway what what did you guys think of the series in general (laughs) i think i think on like going along with what you said brad like this this era between alien and aliens is just getting too saturated and this is exactly what i was worried about when i started hearing about more amanda ripley stories because initially i was just worried about alien isolation like oh it's gonna feel weird and retconny that amanda was like fighting the aliens when she just like was a very brief mention in aliens but it worked so well in isolation but then when I heard about these comics, I was like, they're going to make it like she's an action hero fighting Waylon Utani and all this happens before aliens and like what? Like, so, and that's exactly how it felt for me. So in my like personal headcanon, I guess it's like we have alien isolation and alien blackout and the rest is just a mystery because those felt like complementary to each other. It's going to be it's like anything, though, isn't it? If you like it, you'll forgive it and you'll make room for it. But because these were shit, you're not as inclined <laughs> to... Um... Sorry, this one really so do you winds think, me up. I hate Rescue. I was going to so say, much. do you think both of them are shit, or do you think Resistance was disappointing and Rescue was shit? Resistance was poor. This is just pointless. Yeah, and it's it's a shame because there's so much potential in Amanda Ripley's character. Again, I I think that's it. Even though that potential is there, her character has to be handled carefully because you can push it too far where it just seems like she's done too much before aliens. And I think that's what these comics unfortunately did, even though she's a great character. And I would have loved to seen like a sequel to isolation, like the sequel to isolation wouldn't necessarily have had to have Amanda in the protagonist role. I think you could have just had that same style of game. You're talking about format and genre there, aren't you, rather than narrative? Right. So it but depends what you want from an isolation to. Do you want to know what happens to Amanda being stuck out there, or do you just want that same gameplay style with somebody else? I would have wanted Amanda picked up, so I would have wanted an actual isolation. I would have too. liked to have seen more of that too, but, but honestly, Blackout gave me enough. Like, she was rescued... She's finding her way home and now she's assisting this other station like that kind of gave me enough of a resolution, even though I would have liked to have seen more. But having her in like this action hero, we're taking on Waylon Yutani kind of role, which is another thing that was funny. Like apparently like they totally exposed Waylon Yutani was doing these experiments like they they mention it like, oh, they had to pay a hefty fine. But then afterwards, they just like bought out the government and made sure the laws were changed. I'm like, really? Oh, God, I didn't even think of that. That that must mean that the aliens just public knowledge. Yeah, I'm like, all this happened before aliens, really? And Waylon Yutani had to pay this massive fine. And there was this expose that they were rounding up and murdering over a 
thousand colonists. Like it was just very, yeah, it didn't fit for me. Bradley, what do you think? Me and Ridge Top have just been ranting here. What? what? No, that's that's totally fine, and I'm over here cracking up, uh, mainly because I agree. Uh, so. You know, again, going back to Resistance, I liked it okay enough, you know, for the most part. And then once Rescue started, I went into this one with, uh, you know, some cautious optimism, I guess you would say again. And it wasn't as good as Resistance, but it wasn't leaving me totally disappointed until we got to this last issue. And then it just derailed both series completely. I had so many issues with the the last issue of Rescue. It's not even funny. And uh, it just frustrated me to no end the whole three queen thing made no sense to me uh why were there three queens together what was the point of that i i just i don't understand it and then alec brand somehow surviving the collapse of the alien hive when they blew it up why was he able to survive that collapse but not one if not all three of the queens let alone the other aliens that were running around inside that hive you know just oh man it was it was bad The last issue of Rescue just completely destroyed the whole series for me. I don't want to completely recap everything that you guys have already said, but, you know, there was one line of dialogue in particular in that fourth issue of Rescue that was just a total eye roll moment for me. And it was it was that moment where Alec is is saying something about, you know, oh, these are the eggs. So a little monster is going to come out of these eggs. And then Zula kind of, you know, chimes in and corrects him and explains the life cycle in a really, I don't even know how to describe it, like a a childish way. It just, it's, it was so silly and it did not fit in with the the vibe of the alien universe, in my opinion, the way that was pulled off. And, ah, it frustrated me. I think I have it right right here. And I think it was Amanda who said it. She says, no, something else comes out. It attaches to your face and plants a parasite in your stomach. Then a baby monster comes out of your torso after it's grown big. I'm like, what? (laughs) You're you're right. That's like such a bad explanation. That was the worst dialogue in the entire series. And yeah. yeah, and and then the artwork. Yeah, there was a different artist for Rescue that did the internal artwork uh, than there was for Resistance. You could tell there was a difference there. Kieran McNones did uh, Rescue. And, you know, straight off the bat, that puts it down a little bit because yeah. I, I wasn't keen on his artwork. That fucking splash page. The aliens looked awful. That looked like fucking um, Sam Keith. Not. Are Sam you King. talking about the the final stand with Amanda and Zula yeah. near, near the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. At least Resistance had Robert Kerry. I really like Robert Kerry, but no, the artwork in this one did not do anything for me as well. Yeah. The cover well, art was decent enough, not as good as Resistance again, but. But the, the fucking Queen cover art's terrible as well for issue four. Yeah, issue three, issue two have the best cover art. I really like the first one with the yeah. um, the target and all the marines. Well, you know, one of the one of the things that really bugged me about the artwork, though, was I mean, you look at the way Amanda was portrayed in Resistance, and you know, it wasn't my favorite portrayal of her from the artistic perspective, but it still worked. It still looked like Amanda and and all that good stuff. And then in Rescue, yeah, it still looked like Amanda also, but she was like constantly smiling. And it's like, this is supposed to be a person who's been through trauma. Yeah. That picture of her in the dropship cockpit with the fucking Just, peace like, sign, throwing the she, V. Yeah. <laughs> she's waving I, too <laughs> yeah that just i don't know it bugged me and maybe i'm just being nitpicky yeah, but no, it, I'm, uh, with you. <laughs> I'm with you but you know and around the, the same time uh these comics were coming out was when uh alien echo came out and you know this is kind of going back to what we were saying before about this era in the alien universe getting overcrowded 
when I first read Echo, it wasn't really clear what time frame that took place in. But then immediately after they announced the series that was supposed to come after Rescue that has since been canceled, and it was supposed to have Olivia as the primary character and continue this story, and it made it obvious that Echo was also in this era. That's when I really started to get annoyed with the number of stories that are that are being plugged into this. You yeah. know what that means, don't you? That means the um, Cold Iron shoot is going to be in this. Going to be between Alien and Aliens. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that also became immediately obvious is that that upcoming video game is also in this era, and I. Honestly, I'm not really looking forward to the video game because it's not the kind of video game that I would really get into. I'm still going to play it and check it out, but now I'm I'm even more hesitant about it because of knowing that it's in that same time era again. And it's I just, mean, yeah. It- it depends on what age they're going with for Olivia. I mean, if she was old enough, it could be post-Aliens, I think. Because the era of Echo is not really defined. And again, in that novel, I didn't think you needed to define it. Like, you have a few alien stories like that where it doesn't specify exactly what time it is, and I think that's fine. But yeah, I'm honestly kind of glad that comic was canceled. One, because I thought it was weird hearing that Olivia was going to be a colonial marine, given like how strong of a scientist character she was. Like, if she was involved with the marines, like her mother was that was one thing again this is going into another topic but given what we've seen of resistance and rescue i was really looking forward to um rising threat but now eh, it's unfortunate too because tristan jones had some really awesome looking artwork for that one that he was working on as well but yeah just from a narrative standpoint like the the quality of of wood's writing in these series has, has been so poor that i completely agree with you that i just would not be interested in seeing him tarnish uh, another series especially especially since of how much i like olivia i wouldn't really like to see him do nothing with her because brand the character let's talk about brand we haven't spoke about him what a nothing character is he yeah like his his whole character dynamic is how much he admires amanda and zula and how he wants to like help them and like that was an okay dynamic but i i do wish they and i he talks about his past a bit and his upbringing and how how poor of a (coughs) environment he came from like resistance i mean the 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 line the little line that you get in resistance regarding his backstory you know why was he on the colony ship it was cheap and it was leaving tomorrow but then rescue makes it out to be this big thing of everything he's a representative representative yeah. of his people and stuff yeah it, it was it cost a little all their money kind of thing well yeah I, I felt like alec brand as a character was just like all of the mysteries that they had started with resistance and rescue it's just a loose end that never got wrapped up mm. it, I, I didn't think he was interesting i think that i thought the most interesting bit of him was when he suddenly pulls out this demolitions knowledge in in issue four and um you know shows him having a bit of smarts it would have it would have been interesting if they would established him as as a demo expert from the start you know that could have been his thing he likes fucking blowing shit up but it, i just found him personalityless, you know expertise less and all he did was fucking hero worship Zula and, and Ripley. I mean, maybe maybe you could have him as being their sort of legacy, I suppose, you know, showing that they're doing some good because everything they do ultimately leads to nothing, really, because there'll always be another attempt to find the aliens. Another part that was weird is, like, Zula talks about how the colonial marines have changed and how they were, like, all corrupt before and now they're not. I mean, didn't you guys pick up on that? Where she's yeah. like, these aren't the same colonial marines as they were... 
I didn't have a problem with that. Because, yes, I mean, that that was a thing that I think Tristan uh, talked about in terms of visually as well, you know, in in Defiance, you know, the Marines there weren't the Marines from Aliens. You saw that in their armour setup. And then when we come to this one, we do have, you know, the traditional style Aliens in that. But I suppose maybe that was a plot element that Wood was trying to carry. You know, they were there actively trying to to get the aliens for themselves or for... Although I suppose it turned out they were trying to get them for Wayland, weren't it? It become very comic book villain, didn't it, in those last two issues? That was probably the problem with how Defiance ended. But it, it did seem to want to steer it towards, you know, um, it being a corporation-run human universe. But then again, you know, this takes place after Alien, and, and that was sort of the intent with Alien as well. They didn't talk about governments, really. It was, it was the company. So that... that... That's kind of a little pointless. Prototype Zula was the uh, the character for Prototype, right? The main character. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, do you guys feel like that? I haven't read it yet, but but just briefly, do you feel like that's was a much better story for her than these two? Absolutely. Mm. It, it it had a character arc for her. You know, the point of Prototype was getting her to a place where she could be this woman leading all these characters and, and being in a position of authority over over teams and, and having that confidence to do it. That was that was the point of her journey in Prototype, and it was much more satisfying. Is Prototype post-Defiance, like in the three years before she meets up with Amanda? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And, and, you know, I, I felt like the dynamic between Zula and Davis was portrayed a lot better in Prototype than it was in, in Resistance and Rescue. Yeah, definitely. Davis feels like, I don't know, he didn't feel quite right in either series to me. I mean, there, there's some interesting snippy moments of dialogue. I always love AIs being fucking snippy. But I don't know, it, it just it just didn't feel like Davis. Yeah. So, um, in terms of, after all those big-ass rants, in terms of some specific moments that I called out on them, and that Ridgetop tried to talk about, and I, and I shut him down. Bug Hunt. It was cool to kind of see one visualised, even if the designs were a little boring. But I didn't like it t- taking place on Mars, because, like Ridgetop said, that's supposed to be a, a, a nicely thriving, colonised place at that point. It was supposed to be in Prometheus times. And I also fucking hated all the Elon Musk terraforming um, comments with all the nukes being dropped to terraform places, that didn't really jive with atmosphere processors and all that sort of stuff. So um, what, what was your guys' takes on um, on those two points? Well, as, as far as uh, dropping nukes for terraforming, yeah, that was, I don't really understand where that was coming from. That seems like it would be counterproductive to terraforming. You make the place uninhabitable. Well, that's what Elon Musk's been talking about lately in terms of terraforming Mars. I'm sure it is Musk, isn't it, Adam? I I believe, yeah, I think he might have been the one to to make those comments like, oh, maybe we should just drop nukes on Mars. But yeah, it's very odd considering we've seen atmosphere processors in the series. It seems like that would kind of be the way they would do things at that point. Yeah, okay, I found it. Elon Musk floats nuke Mars idea again. He has t-shirts. So this was a news article on space.com from August of last year. (laughs) Nuking Mars is still on Elon Musk's wish list, it would seem. Four years ago, the SpaceX founder and CEO went on the late show with Stephen Colbert and discussed a strategy for making the red planet more livable, detonating nuclear bombs over its poles. The explosions would vaporize a fair chunk of Mars's ice caps, liberating enough water vapor and carbon dioxide, both potential greenhouse gases, to warm up the planet substantially, the idea goes. This terraforming concept is apparently still bouncing around in Musk's head because on August 15th he tweeted, seemingly unprompted, Nuke Mars. A few hours later he followed up with another tweet, T-shirt soon. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that. That seems like a pretty extreme method of 
terraforming, in my opinion. <laughs> well, it's it's just random for the alien universe as well. You know, it, it might be relevant yeah. for now-ish, but, you know, we have atmosphere processes. We've seen them. There's a whole film around it. Yeah, and as you know, going back to the the comic, uh, you know, they they made that comment that you know they started nuking Mars, and and then these creatures came out of their underground burrows and everything. Uh, were they? I might have misinterpreted this. Were they implying that the radiation fallout had like mutated these bugs into these larger creatures that were more vicious? I took it just to be it warmed up the planet enough for them to want to come out. Okay then yeah never mind yeah as far as the actual bugs themselves go uh yeah i didn't really like the idea of it being on mars they could have just as easily put that on another planet and and it would have been much more okay in my opinion completely agree first up what about you yeah just kind of like i alluded to with uh, my little tangents there yeah the fact that it was on mars you'd think they would have come across those things before if it was already an established colony like we've seen so it just kind of felt odd like you said aaron it was cool to see like a bug hunt bug hunt like you would think and they i believe they talk about that in uh, alien echo as well like there's just sometimes like dangerous and indigenous life that the marines are called in to exterminate because they're too much of a threat to a colony so uh it was cool to see that mars didn't make much sense for me you know what would have been a, a much cleaner idea there would have been if it was they were using mars as a training ground and they had released to them for training purposes yeah. instead of it being something native to mars you know i yeah. almost thought they were going to go in that direction like it was going to end up being a simulation or something well, there was a game where aliens unleashed i think it was where you, you were a colonial marine in like a training base and all the aliens that you fought were synthetic training aids, basically. So that, that could have been cool. Could have been cool, but it wasn't. <laughs> yes, yes. And so Amanda and, and Zula are apparently working for the colonial marines now? I guess yeah. so. I guess they both have senior leadership positions after all of their... Uh fugitive shenanigans mm, i thought that was random as shit well there's a lot of hand waving and it goes along with like oh Waylon yutani paid a fine <laughs> the end now they're back to their old shenanigans again oh, they, they're trying to buy out all the politicians they're trying to buy out the governments now right i know but it was a very hand yeah. explanation there's so much lazy writing going off in both these series and it's a shame like we i don't like to go after because i know at Almost everyone probably who works in this franchise is very passionate about the material like they're fans just like us and some stories work for us and some stories don't unfortunately and we try and be constructive with our criticism and I know Brian Wood can do better like after Defiance like I know he can do better with his writing and maybe he was just constrained by the lengths of these comics or what. I don't know I kind of feel like it just it just took a dive at the end of Defiance and just hasn't recovered. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know how much of that might be uh, Tristan's influence because he was helping with some of the story ideas as well. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know he was involved directly in the story with yeah. Defiance. That's cool. So may maybe after he'd left and they ran out of his ideas is when it got shit. I don't know. Maybe. That's just kind of how... That's my take on it. I did like Bran taking the pistol into cryo with him. I thought that was a nice little character moment as well. Yeah, yeah. I I was actually, I meant to bring that up. I thought that was probably one of the best character moments in the series. Mm, yeah, definitely. Again, showing development and, and progression of these uh, events actually influencing the characters. That's Yeah, like he said, you never know what's going to be waiting for you when you wake up and given his last experience with that. Yeah. I mean, most of my notes are just little moments that I kind of liked. 
and some that I didn't like the the forward operating base the FOB was kind of cool even if we didn't get to see anything in it Wei Yu made its way into the comics I think this is the first time it's been referred to as Wei Yu in the comics yeah that, that started with the colonial marines didn't it yeah yeah there's just random bits of colonial marines terminology terminology that's just I finally traced where fucking Overmorph came from and it was that stupid game was it really yeah oh man i thought it was covenant i thought covenant started that now uh, overmorph is, is in a name for the eggs i have another weird nitpicky moment here so when they divert the colony ship and it arrives at the black site you can clearly see like a big whaling yutani logo on the side of the black site but then later in the comic alex like whaling yutani what i didn't see any logos anywhere like and maybe he just means on the inside of the complex, but it's weird that like Kazula's like, well, that's by design. They don't want any like they don't want any fingerprints on this operation. But it's like, then why would they put the fucking logo on the big ass like neon logo on the side of the black site? Like, oh, uh, you're totally right. You are totally right. <laughs> I didn't catch that. <laughs> it's on. It's on the first page of issue two. Uh, another thing that I really didn't like in um, Rescue was uh, the whole Xenomorph name moment in this. I wish they'd just stick to one fucking story with the naming convention, and I wish it'd be the Wayland yutani report sort of implied method where Xenomorphs are just a strange name for strange aliens and they're all branded, and this particular alien is, is XX121. I wish they'd stick with that and stop inventing you know naming moments. Wait, that, what? That, what that, other that name did they have for them in this? I know, he, he calls them Xenomorphs, and then... Hang on. He calls them Xenomorphs and then proceeds to explain why he's decided to call them that. I, d- I didn't really mind that so much, you know, because Xenomorph as a term, you know, this has always been one of my pet peeves that everyone, uh, you know, refers to the alien as a Xenomorph as, as if it's its name. But I mean, it's it's a generic term. It can apply to anything. You can call a predator a Xenomorph if you want. See, that's why I like the Wayland yutani reports sort of implied method, because they specifically call it a Xenomorph XX121, implying that there's XX120 and blah, 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 as as like a cataloging kind of method for all the random aliens that they meet while they're out there killing everything. Right, yeah. And, you know, I can get behind that. And, you know, at, at this particular moment, you know, where Davis explains why he's called it a xenomorph i didn't really see it as undermining that or or anything it was just you know his own you know this i called it a xenomorph this is what it means that's why i called it that i didn't i wasn't really bugged by that maybe that's a me moment then but yeah going back to resistance again like there were a lot of weird moments that were set up that never got payoff like the cloaking androids that are like examining the killed aliens and then zula starts firing on the cloaked androids and amanda's like hold your fire they aren't reacting and she, that's when, like you were saying, Aaron, she says they look like whaling yutani synthetics on Earth, but bulletproof, but they look nothing like them. <laughs> they look like these weird armored, like super muscular androids. Yeah, very strange. Yeah, it seemed like, there, you know, throughout both series, there was a lot of threads that never got tied up. And, and that was one of them. How Amanda and Zula managed to survive the end of resistance was the other one that that really bugged me that you know they could have fleshed that out or they could have explained it but they didn't really and just kind of left it a mystery we had about we know it was the hex things and the bacteria 
Well, the magic Davis planet. randomly shows up with a ship. Yeah, and then you have Alec Brand continuously questioning them, saying there's got to be more to the story. Like, he didn't believe the story. And, and frankly, as a reader, I didn't believe that story either. And, and they just kept hinting at, you know, there was something else going on there, but then they never got into it. Yeah, exactly. And I got that same thought. I was like, yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. I completely brought it. I just thought it was poor. <laughs> it was, I, I agree. I thought it was poor, but it also felt like they were fishing for something and, and then they just never bothered to, to you know, go into it. You know, it was a loose thread. Fair enough. I, I, didn't, I didn't find that myself, but fair enough if you both did. <laughs> I, I've actually run out of all my specific points to talk about. Is, is there anything else that you guys either liked or um, want to rail on? Again, it's just too bad. Like, I, I was really looking forward to these stories with these characters, and I just feel like it was kind of wasted potential. Things I liked, the cover arts, some of the panels were good. I always liked seeing, like, the human cities in the Alien franchise. It was really cool to catch a glimpse of that in the, the artwork for the RPG, Aaron, which I'm sure we have to do a podcast episode on the RPG sometime, just like the contents of the rule book and stuff. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm hoping to do a couple of interviews on that as well at some point. Unfortunately, I just haven't had the time to sit down and read through the rule, uh, the core book myself yet. Yeah. I've just play the games as a player. Well, there's a lot of cool like lore stuff in the rule book. So I've, I've just kind of flipped through it, but I need to sit down and read it myself. About you then, Brad. Any um, any final things you want to chat about in regards to the books? Well, definitely, my my favorite aspect of all of them was the the cover arts by Tristan Jones again. And you know, I I feel like it could have been a lot better than it turned out to be. And I think as long as you don't read the last issue of Rescue, it's not a terrible series. <laughs> So I, yeah, I guess in the future, as you know, if I reread these series, I'll just skip the last issue of Rescue. That's fair enough. You know, I will say the uh, the guy who did the cover art for the first issue of Resistance, um, Roberto De La Torre. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that correctly. I think he's the one who did it for all of. Oh, sorry, did you say Resistance? Yes, he did all of that ones. I think other than Tristan's variants. Yeah, I really like his cover art for the for the first one. Um, yeah. I kind of wish, like, I would like to see his art in an actual comic because it looks it looks pretty cool. He did he did rescue his first one at least the the cover yeah. the cover yeah I mean like actually see what he could do with the panels would be kind of cool. Okay, fair enough. I think we've um, we've talked out resistance and rescue, and I've fucking been angered so much by rescue, <laughs> and I'm glad that we aren't getting rising threat. So normally we would if you've listened to this and you haven't already read the comics we would we would sort of say would we recommend it and i I would say skip both of these to be honest and unless planning on playing cold irons thing and i don't know if if alec is was alec mentioned in the solicitation stuff for rising threat can you remember i I thought he was but i i can't remember for sure to be honest let's have a look then there's lots of me just uh, going and having a look in this episode. Didn't they have... They must have had a synopsis for Rising Threat. They did. Hang on. Colonial Marines. Rising Threat delves into the formative years of the Colonial Marines. Tying into the events of Cold Iron Studios' video game, this new series introduces Olivia Ship, leader of a squad of battle-weary Marines who have defied orders to rescue survivors of a refinery under siege. So, no, no mention of um, Alec Brand. Yeah, it just mentions Olivia Ship. That's it. So perhaps it's entirely unnecessary for the the storyline going off in um, in the game. In which case, I would say. Does, just does Cold Iron have Alec? Did they already confirm that? 
No, not that I'm aware of. That's what I was saying. Mm. I didn't. I couldn't remember if he was mentioned in terms of rising threat. So if yeah. he's not, if he's not in the game, then I don't really see a need to read Resistance or Rescue. I think as a isolation sequel, it's unsatisfying. As a Defiant sequel, I think it's unsatisfying. And yeah, I would say don't bother. What about you guys? Yeah, um, it's it's often it's not well, it's not often that I. I don't. don't. I don't think we've said never yeah. have we. I, the, even the comics I've had problems with, I've always been like, eh, give it a read if you're a fan. But these are two that I'm like, I might cancel my paperback order of, of Rescue now. Because it's just like, I'm, I'm a completionist. I like to have them all on my shelf. But this is one that it's just like, I don't see myself reading this again. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think I would recommend them. I probably would have canceled a pre-order for Rescue if I had made one. But after I read the last issue, I didn't even bother pre-ordering the trade paperback. That's the first first uh alien graphic novel that i have not pre-ordered in a long time says a lot doesn't it folk so if you're listening and if you agree with us or disagree with us you know please please hit us up and let, let us know if uh you feel <laughs> if you're feeling the same or you or you feel opposite to what we've we've said we'd love to hear back from uh, everybody who listens what's next comic series coming up that's avp, AVP which actually is awesome so far so yeah that keeps up with it first issue was really good second issue should be out by the time this this podcast's up hopefully that keeps that kind of momentum going and yeah i don't think we i don't think they've announced any other alien series have they after they cancelled um rising threat nope um they have that predator hunters 3 series announcement uh, i'm really looking yep. forward to that one likewise hunters one and two were fantastic really looking forward to yeah. three i'm sure alien day will see some announcements probably or at least i would hope so they normally last couple of years they've had a comic come out about alien day would rising threat have come out about alien day at least the first issue must have i would imagine i think the first issue was supposed to be released in like september last year for rising threat was it because that's about when it was canceled i think hang on hang on i Look, maybe i <laughs> yeah i don't know it all happened so fast my memory's a little fuzzy on it it would have been no bridge tops right yeah it, it would have been the 18th of um september was when it was due to start and then when it was cancelled it was cancelled in august man they must have had the whole first issue completed just scrap it that's a shame well is it a shame we don't know judging by the quality of what this has been uh, but yes yeah, so no no current alien series in um announced yet uh, the, we do have a couple of novels that we know are coming we have phalanx which is due february end of february which i'm really fucking looking forward to i have high hopes and expectations for that one um and although we did lose uh, rising threat we do have a tie-in to the new cold iron game called alien infiltrator which i think is july time that's a novel right Yes, yes. Yeah. End of end of July is when that one's due. So we still do get some sort of tie into the game, but it looks like this the synopsis for this one doesn't mention Olivia's ship, so we still might not be finding out what ship's doing until the game comes out if she is actually a, a focus in the game. Okay, so social roundups then. Brad, do you want to go first? Do you want to talk a little bit about Gateway Station? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm one of the administrators at our facebook group uh aliens gateway station it's a fan group dedicated to the extended universe uh, i co-manage that page with uh, quite a few people clara and jason and and tim and a few others uh devin gill who some of you may be familiar with uh, for doing the olithros fan comic which is really great if you haven't seen that one you should check it out and this is facebook folks 
So uh, oh. just, just searching it. I can't remember if you mentioned it or not. Sorry, I just thought I'd throw it in there again. So you can just search it in the Facebook search bar and that'll... Um, that show up do you have any do you have any other personal channels i can't remember if you're on twitter and on... yeah you've got a twitter page as well yeah we have a twitter page as well uh we primarily use that to harass titan for uh giving alex another alex white another not <laughs> the alien universe but yeah we have the twitter page as well by the same name that's become like a fandom meme at this point <laughs> until they give us one <laughs> And it would be very well deserved. Yep. If you're listening to this and you're not too familiar with our um, with who we are, who Alien vs Predator Galaxy is, you can find our hub of activity at avpgalaxy.net. We're a news resource, we're interviews, articles, reviews, um, loads of general info stuff as well. Um, we have a message board, an old school message board, not many of those left, but ours is still uh, thriving, thankfully. We are also on all the other socials, so if you prefer not to sign up to places um, and you're already on Facebook, we do have our own our own Facebook group, and that can all be seen through from our actual Facebook page as well. It's just Alien vs Predator Galaxy or AVP Galaxy shows it up as well, I think. We're on Twitter as AVP Galaxy. We're on Instagram as uh, Alien vs. Predator Galaxy. YouTube as well. I've just done a big um, live play of, of Isolation, so that's all on there. We've just done our first Let's Play of AVP 2. We've got the whole Alien campaign up there for watch as well. And occasionally we do throw up um, random lore videos as well. I did write one for Echo, actually. I, I revisited it, um, a whole thing on the limeworm alien. But I find it really hard doing ones on books because the, the visuals aren't there. So that's why I've been struggling on that one. Well, you should, man. You commissioned that artwork. Or, or you already did the one on that specific no, alien, no, that, that's, that's the one. Oh. I've, I've got one piece of artwork. But then I've been talking about like the lionworm, the host. And I've got nothing. I'm having to find pictures of moles and cilia and stuff like that to do do it it's like okay this this isn't quite as easy to do but i I will finish it someday we also have um new t-shirts up exclusive designs that just released on our t public store and these are by artists adam milcevic hopefully i'm getting his last name right um but he was the creative director for the halloween horror nights maze in japan the alien versus predator one they did which is the only one i didn't get to do unfortunately and he also designed the um the Bradford Exchange yeah. clock, uh, is, as well as fucking awesome. some promotional marketing artwork for um, the comic releases in Japan. But yeah, we're really happy with the uh, the designs he he illustrated for us. So check those out if you're interested. And that's on T Public. You can find a link on uh, on the website. Actually, there's a little T-shirt symbol on the social links. So uh, go pick those up. Those are really cool. I'm really pleased with those. Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at underscore Corporal Hicks. And if you'd like to follow me personally, it's uh, at ridgetop21 on both twitter and instagram okay so uh, thank you everybody for listening this has been aaron percival aka corporal hicks adam zeller aka ridgetop and brad sudbeck signing off